Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship on Easter Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful Easter celebration with those you love. Uh, Katie and Christine and I are continuing with our sermon series during Lent and Eastertide called Cabinet of Colloquial Curiosities. If you want to know the inspiration for that sermon series, you can visit the worship notes in the bulletin. Today we're looking at an odd word, eucatastrophe. And to do that, we're using the Gospel of John, John's resurrection story from chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the foot. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've taken him. When she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to Jesus, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and said, Rabbi. Jesus said to Mary, Don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my friends and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks be to God for this Easter good news. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. According to Andrew Lloyd Webber, Jesus baffled Mary Magdalene. I don't know how to love him, she sings. But that's not really true, is it? She really did know how to love him, maybe more intensely than anybody else in all four Gospels except Mother Mary herself. She was the last one standing there at the cross when he died and the first one to greet him at the edge of that open tomb when he came back. She saw the empire inflict its worst malice and then she saw God conjure God's magic. She refuses to let him go until the end and beyond. But then, even when he comes back, Jesus continues to baffle Mary Magdalene. She thought he was the gardener. Well, it makes sense, right? Gardeners dress just like carpenters. It's all lumberjack shirts and sturdy jeans and work boots and tool belts or the first century equivalents. So this is a stealthy, covert resurrection. But then in one of the most beautiful scenes in all the Bible, Jesus speaks that single word. He just says her name, Mary and she knows who he is, she responds, Rabbi. It's the greatest eucatastrophe in history or in literature. Now, eucatastrophe is probably the newest word in our cabinet of colloquial curiosities. 
1939. And it might be one of the easiest to understand as well. We can take this word apart. It's comprised, of course, of two Greek words. First, that common Greek prefix eu, E-U, as in eulogy, good word, or utopia, a good place, or euthanasia, good death. So that common Greek prefix eu, and then, of course, catastrophe, which is a Greek word which simply means shock or reversal or overturning. And so, eucatastrophe, surprisingly, means a good disaster. An oxymoron? Maybe not. So, we, you and I, we know catastrophe. We're living catastrophe. While I'm preaching this sermon, 50 people will die of COVID-19. We know catastrophe. We're living it. But we sometimes forget that originally the word catastrophe did not refer to something awful that happens to us, to some natural disaster. Originally, catastrophe was a literary term. It's the major plot turn in a story. It's the climax of the book, the novel, the story, whatever it is. So, for instance, when Moby Dick sinks the Pequod, that's a catastrophe. When Valjean meets Javert on the barricades and lets him go, catastrophe. When Macbeth decides to murder King Duncan, when Othello smothers Desdemona, those are catastrophes, a shock and overturning. Lord of the Rings author J.R.R. Tolkien was the one who came up with this new word. It came upon him while he was listening to a sermon. Yes, it is possible to have a brilliant eureka moment while you're listening to a sermon. In this sermon, the priest told a story about a young French girl who was miraculously cured of her tuberculosis at a healing spring. And unaccountably, the story made Mr. Tolkien so happy. It was a feeling unlike anything he'd experienced before, and there was no word in his sizable vocabulary to capture the hugeness of what it was he was experiencing inside of himself. And so he came up with this phrase, eucatastrophe. A good reversal. Now, during this time when we are assaulted all day long, every day, by the recurring death of George Floyd at the trial of Derek Chauvin, when we are assaulted all day, every day, by the sight of those Confederate flags under the Capitol Dome, in this time of racial enmity everywhere and intensifying, when Asian Americans are stomped in the head, and the security guard, the security guard looks the other way and locks the door during this time of racial enmity, this Easter eucatastrophe occurred to me. It was Easter Sunday, 1939. Same year Mr. Tolkien came up with his odd word. Easter 1939, Howard University invites the stunning black contralto Marian Anderson to sing a concert at Easter in the district, 1939. But Miss Anderson is so famous in the United States and in Europe, they need a huge concert hall to accommodate the crowds that will inevitably show up to hear her sing. The biggest concert venue in the district, then and now, is, was Constitution Hall. Constitution Hall is managed by the Daughters of the American Revolution. Whites only read the bylaws. Howard University asked the Daughters to make an exception for Marian Anderson. They say no. Daughters of the American Revolution, indeed. 
Eleanor Roosevelt is a daughter of the American Revolution. She resigns in protest. Her husband's presidential administration arranges for Miss Anderson to have a new venue for her to sing. They arrange for her to sing at the feet of the great emancipator himself at his legendary memorial. 75,000 people show up and she sings, My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. Let freedom ring at the feet of Abraham Lincoln himself. So what might have been a pleasant little concert for 3,000 white people turns into this towering eucatastrophe in the history of racial progress in the 20th century. The symbolic significance of the oral and visual panorama was unmistakable, even, or so let us hope, for the daughters of the American Revolution. Easter 1939, eucatastrophe. Dan Hale sent me this wonderful story about the Jews of Thessaloniki, that thriving port city in Greece, in 1939, same year that Mr. Toking came up with his odd words, same year that Marian Anderson was singing in, at the Lincoln Memorial. In 1939, there were 50,000 Jews in Thessaloniki, that thriving port city. So many of the dock workers in the port were Jewish that the port was closed on Saturday. In 1941, the Nazis invaded Greece. And by the end of the war, 48,000 of those 50,000 Jews from Thessaloniki would be killed at Auschwitz-Birkenau. 2,000 survive. Among them, the Berla family. Moise and Sarah Berla, Berla in 1961 have a son they name Israel Abraham. Beautiful name. Israel Abraham. They call him Albert. When Albert grows up, he studies veterinary medicine at Aristotle University in Thessaloniki. He also earns a PhD degree in reproductive biotechnology. When he turns 34, he moves to the United States. 1995, he moves to the United States. He works for the Pfizer Pharmaceutical Corporation. Rises quickly up the corporate ladder. He serves as head of global vaccines for a while and then chief operating officer. Finally, in 2019, he becomes CEO of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. So how's that for a eucatastrophe for you? The son of Holocaust survivors grows up to lead the charge to invent a vaccine that will save the lives of millions of Germans, many of them sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters of Nazis. God has such a twisted sense of humor. Good thing they didn't kill all the Jews in Thessaloniki. On that first Easter morning, death began to die. Such extraordinarily good news, which we need right now in this year when we will have witnessed 550,000 more American deaths than we expected. 
We need this good news right now. But maybe it's true all the time. Maybe whoever we are and whenever we live, we need this good news of the defeat of death. And that's why I'm preaching this sermon precisely here this morning. You know, Kenilworth Union has more stained glass windows than any church I've ever served. I love them all, but these three are my favorite. I've talked to you about these three young men before, these three graduates of the Kenilworth Union Sunday School. For instance, Manier Barlow Ware, New Trier High School, class of 1913, University of Illinois, class of 1917, enlistee in the United States Army right after graduation, in the Argonne in October of 1918, Lieutenant Ware is serving a division responsible for 37-millimeter guns. They're ordered to mop up a machine gun nest, and he is killed in the process in the Argonne. He is buried in the Meuse-Argonne Cemetery. He died on October 12, October 12, 1918, exactly 30 days before the armistice, 30 days till peace and home. So, what would we do if we couldn't see glimmers of resurrection hope shining through this vivid purple, purple for both passion and royalty, through the irrepressible emerald of springtime emerging from the dead wintered earth? Whatever could we do It took J.R.R. Tolkien 12 years to write The Lord of the Rings. It's a big book. It's actually three books. And plus he had a, a, a full-time job teaching at Oxford. Mr. Tolkien started writing The Lord of the Rings about the same time that he came up with his new word, Eucatastrophe. 1937, he started it actually. And so, of course, Mr. Tolkien had to tuck a nice little Eucatastrophe into his little story. Do you remember that scene near the end of The Return of the King after Frodo and his faithful sidekick Samwise Gamgee have finally successfully disposed of the ring and thereby destroyed the dark kingdom of Mordor? It has almost killed them, Frodo and Samwise. They have been to hell, almost literally, because Mordor is hell. They look like they have experienced their own crucifixions. They bear the stigmata of their own Golgothas. And when uh, Frodo looks around and sees the kingdom of Mordor crumbled into dust, he says, it's gone. It's done. It's finished. Where have we heard those words before? Well, as you know, Sam and Frodo are miraculously rescued and taken to the land of Athelion to recover. And when Samwise finally wakes up, he sees Gandalf standing next to his bed, smiling. And he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. What's happened to the world? Will everything sad come untrue? And Gandalf says, a great shadow has departed. And then the storyteller tells us that Gandalf laughed 
And the laughter was like the sound of music or like water in a parched land. And it occurred to Sam that he had not heard the sound of laughter, the pure sound of merriment, for days upon days without count. The laughter fell on his ears like the echo of all the joys he had ever known. This Easter laughter, may it fall upon our ears like the echo of all the joys we have ever known. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.